This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Five on Three. Never heard that intro. WFUV Sports NHL podcast, along with Lou Orlando and Nick Palmer. I'm Colin Lochran. Thrilled to be with you for the first time since June. It's the last time we spoke to you about the wonderful world of the National Hockey League. Lou, Nick, we're back. We are back. We got we got to do some checking out with that intro. I don't know. Can if we I, address this no, we real got, quick we, we before we about, get we, into the show? We really should talk about that. I've never heard that intro before. I'm not gonna lie. So like, we were back there trying to find it, and I just heard the goal horns, and I was like, "Oh, this has to be the one." Not only is that not the one, man, that intro was. Can I say awful? I'm not to say that. I'm dazed and confused. It's wild. This is in fact a power play, though. That's the one lesson I've you taken know what? away That's from special. this. That's special. We got we got to cook up a new intro. How about that? Maybe we'll put the heads together cook something up gotta have the illustrious tones of sam rosen worked in there somehow gotta represent the rangers we'll check we'll check on that so we do have hockey to discuss all things locals rangers islanders devils of course but as with every seemingly recent nhl season we do have some unpleasantries we also have to discuss Earlier this month, Columbus Blue Jackets head coach Mike Babcock resigned from his position after allegations of inappropriate workplace behavior, not to mention an NHL Players Association investigation. Basically, what happened here was Babcock accused of looking through players' phones, not a first-time offense. Of course, there was the player ranking incident that happened in Toronto, some unpleasantries in Detroit as well. All really kind of swept under the rug, Lou, because he did win a cup in 2008 with those Red Wings. Just not what you want to see out of any coach in such a prestigious league. And for Babcock, this really should be the end of the line. I mean, it's infuriating. I think there were a ton of people that were surprised that he even got another opportunity after Toronto because the the list situation with Mitch Marner... Like, that in itself is pretty awful, and I think, even if you just say with this situation, like, looking through players' phones, like, it's, like, on the surface level, I don't know if it sounds as bad as it really is, like, this is a master manipulator that loves to get into the heads of his players and and really psychologically abuse them, and it's not the first time. The Marner situation is ridiculous. He did that to a 19-year-old and tried to ostracize him from his entire locker room. The stuff that he did in Detroit with Johnny, Johan Franzen. Where, I mean, made him have a nervous breakdown. Or even, like, the one that I think gets talked about a lot, Mike Madano benching him before he got to 1,500 games, which is a big milestone. Uh, There was a Mike Commodore story that came out. 
about how he told him, you know, he benched him for the first two periods and then told him, hey, hit the bike for the third period and then called him and was like, where are you? Like, this is just a guy that time and time again has shown that he hasn't learned from the criticisms that have been made about him, has continued to be abusive to his players. And honestly, I couldn't be more thrilled that he's not going to serve one game as the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. I, th- I kind of think it's hilarious, but nothing about the situation is funny. Oh, uh, absolutely. And I'm so glad he's he's lost another job. I mean, the last time he lost his job, it was because his team was garbage. But now, but now <laughs> he's, he's garbage. He's losing his job because he's garbage. Who knows? Maybe uh, the last time it was because he's also garbage. But yeah, I mean, I never liked Mike Babcock, to be fair. Uh, Blue Jackets are going to be better off without him. I mean, I'm not going to say they're going to be better because their team is in shambles, but at least you don't have Mike Babcock being an absolute menace in the locker room. And really, it, it messes with the players when you, because I don't know, Lou, you played. Youth hockey? I actually have never played hockey. You never played hockey. Did you ever play hockey? You, you, played, you hockey. played baseball. You guys both played baseball. I'm an baseball. athlete for sure. You're an athlete. When you guys have a coach that you don't like, it makes practice and games so much less enjoyable. You actually dread coming to the rink or the park, whatever. So, Mike Babcock, good riddance. Get out of here, buddy. But like, cause I, I do want to get into that a little bit because I think that's an interesting wrinkle where it, it's not even that you can't play for a coach you don't like, right? Like, Because I think Nick Guzman wrote a, a fantastic article in the Ram, an overtime article about Mike Babcock. And one of the things that he said is that it's not that there's not a lane for tough coaching. I know we're kind of getting away from that where we're getting more towards player coaches and everything. But the example that Nick brings up is John Tortorella, who's definitely, you know, there's some polarizing takes on him and his coaching style. He's very tough on his players, but he's not abusive emotionally or physically. I mean, he works his players hard, but he's not abusive. And there is a lane for that. And I think it's worked so far in Philly. You can make a case that he's the perfect guy to be in there right now with Philadelphia, that there is a lane for tough coaching that Tortorella even gets a lot of his guys, even if they hate him. And there's a, there's a lane for that style of coaching. I still think, but there's a clear line that Babcock crosses time and time again. And so it's not that tough coaching isn't allowed. It's that abuse isn't right. allowed. There's a certain decorum that coaches have to follow. I think Tortorella kind of toes that line right. nicely. Someone like Babcock, not so much. I don't want to spend a tremendous amount of time on this. The one thing right. I will add to the conversation is that culturally, it seems as though the NHL has had some issues even very recently. You think about the Blackhawks situation, things of that sort. Yeah. Even something as simple as the warm-up jersey fiasco that happened last year. It's all Multiple. kind of it's all kind of veering in this direction where you start to get a little concerned about the culture of the league. And we could have a whole podcast about, about that. We're not going to do that today, no. though. We want to keep everything as positive as possible for 5-on-3's return. So let's shift to the locals. And I have to start with the New York Rangers. Lou, I know you covered them just as I did the last couple years. Gerard Gallant out the door, first year of Peter Laviolette on Broadway. They made some key additions. They added Blake Wheeler, Jonathan Quick, now a member of the Rangers. But for the most part, they kind of kept it the same and were limited in terms of what they can do. I think the most indicative part of that is the coach in that it's not that different from what Gallant was preaching. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't at least a little concerned about this team. You know, it's weird because this entire this entire buildup from Gallant being fired to trying to find a coach, I wasn't excited about the process at all because there really wasn't a single coach that I'm like, oh, man, I'd love to have that guy. There wasn't a guy that you're like, man, this completely changes the complexion of the team. I wasn't thrilled when they hired LaVeyolette, even though I kind of agreed, like, I think he's the best option. 
But then I saw the way that they rounded out the staff, and it gave me hope because it shows that maybe they're trying to go in a little bit of a different direction, right? It's all guys that have worked with Laviolette, but you have guys that have experienced, they're younger coaches, or they have a little bit of a different perspective that's not just going to be, I don't think, Laviolette ruling with an iron fist. I still think there's something left in Peter Laviolette when, when he can come in here and coach. I think the other good thing is, and I don't know, maybe this isn't as good of a thing, the expectations for the Rangers are not nearly where they were last year, right? Last year they're coming off this run of the conference championship, and you're going, well, you're kind of expecting a Stanley Cup appearance, or maybe not expecting, but that's clearly the goal. And this year, after that round one loss to the Devils, it feels like expectations aren't there, especially league-wide, but even in the fan base, it feels like there's so much less pressure. I think that's going to do wonders, because I just said it off there. I think this team, to start the season, is better than they were last year, and then obviously they went out and they got Tarasenko and Kane, and you know, your expectations skyrocket. I really do like the depth on this team. Uh, like Wheeler, I don't think should be a top six guy, but I think he has a nice wrinkle to the bottom six. I like the way the fourth line is shaping up. You have a lot of scrappy guys. Felino's nice. Uh, VC's going to be on the bottom six and it'll be pretty good. Like there are, uh, It's a solid team. I, I'm pretty high on Eric Gustafson. So I, I think that would be fun. I think he can open up some stuff for for Braden Schneider and stuff like that. I'm just I'm I'm curious to see what happens because Kako and Lafreniere get the chance to step up. I'm just so excited. I'm talking for too long. You guys go. Just one thing on Gustafson that I wanted to add. He's 31 years old. He was a part of that Montreal team that made that big run of the final against Tampa. They of course lost that final, but being a part of a run like that could work for this Rangers team given that the expectations are not necessarily there and for he them had, to be he in had a good year last year, even with like a Washington team that so much went wrong with them. Obviously, he's got experience playing for Laviolette. Like, I think Gustafson's going to be, I don't think people are talking about him enough as like, that's an upgrade if that's your sixth defenseman. As far as Wheeler's concerned as well, I really like what he brings to the table. I don't think he's a game changer. You were right on the head with that. But he is a gamer. I like what he he's, does He's for the physical, team. right? He's tough. He's got that grit that the Rangers were kind of missing last year, last season as a member of the Winnipeg Jets, 55 points. His Corsi 4 was sitting at around 54%. I'd care more about that stat if he was a defenseman than a winger. But even still, I kind of like the fact that this is the kind of guy that can be forceful on the forecheck and put them in good positions both offensively and defensively. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely cautious of getting a little too hot on Wheeler, especially because on that Winnipeg team, he was sort of thrust into a position of maybe not leadership, but certainly expectation. And I, I like that he's not going to have that pressure on him on the Rangers because he has a lot of star power around him. And I think the Rangers took a couple solid steps this year just in terms of getting some veterans to round out their lineup because I, I think, you know, they put a lot of pressure on the kids last year. And now with guys like uh, Nick Benino, mm. um, Jonathan Quick is a backup to yeah. Igor. I mean, look, I I really don't like Paul Bizanette. All right, I just want to put that out there. And he has a lot of takes that I don't agree with, um, including one about the Rangers this year where he said, I, I think they're all frauds. I think Igor's tired of saving their bacon and they don't have a shot. He said that. And I severely disagree with that. I think, you know, Paul Bizanet's a fraud if he's calling the Rangers a fraud because I like where the Rangers are at. I agree with Lou. Expectations are not as high as they were last year, but I think that's what they need. You add some veterans, you lower expectations, and I think they're actually going to play better. Like it, it was so clear that they actually did get messed up in the locker room by that conference finals appearance because you you heard guys like Fox talking about like well now we have to reset and it's this long season it just felt like the entire season they were waiting to like get to the playoffs so they can go on that run again and it didn't happen like 
I'm never going to say that losing is good. It sucked that they lost in seven games to the Devils in round one. Like, that was awful. Brutal. But, like, I do think it helps them reset a little bit. And, like, hey, a wake-up call. You can't just sleepwalk your way through regular season. And I don't think that they're going to this year. I also think it's key that the kid line gets reinstated. I, they've been trying some different things in the preseason. They've had some day-to-day injuries. Guys like Zavanajad, Panarin, uh, Heedle getting knocked up a little bit. But I think as far as long-term goes you got to have that kid line working together the whole year. It's big, like I think you could end up seeing Hedl go on the second line with Panarin. I think you're going to see Laf and, and Kako be the top two right-wingers, first and second line. It's interesting with Lafreniere, right? Like I've been listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, and like it really feels like if Lafreniere doesn't have a big season, like this could be his last year with the Rangers, right? So that's why I wouldn't split him from what worked so beautifully two years ago. Yeah, but it, it's like... I don't it's know tough. if you, I don't know if you can keep those kids on the third line anymore because you've lost so much depth and also like I do kind of buy into giving them an extended run with guys like let them play around playmakers like Mika and Panarin and Kreider and like I think the points will come I know Glam would always Glam would always mix up the lines and you try go. it but you, you never stuck with it and it's like well like hold on let's see Kako kind of looked like he was at his best when he got to play next to Mika and Kreider yeah. and I think Hedo and Panarin would be a really really interesting and cool pairing like I don't know I'm kind of curious to see how Laviolette manages things I think he said all the right things so far and he's going to give Kako and Lafreniere the chance to earn their top six spots and maybe their power play spots like I think you're going to see Kako on PP1 and that's really cool like I'm a, a lot higher on Kako than I am on Lafreniere. I'm not closing the door on Laf by any means, but like, if I had to put my eggs in one basket, I'm going with Kako because I think he's shown you so much more. He doesn't get talked about enough for the how good he's a defensive player. Like he could be a legitimate top ten Selkie candidate. And that's so funny because the beginning of last year, all the hype was on Laf, and everyone was sort of down on Kako. And I I, I think it's interesting. Y- you talked about the change between Gallant and Laviolette, and when. That move was made. People saw it as sort of like a continuity thing. They don't think that Laviolette was too different from Gallant in a lot of ways. But what I would like to see is a little more consistency with the lines. Because as you mentioned, Gallant loved to shuffle those around. And I think it hurt the Rangers. So maybe put a little bit of trust in your players. You know? Like Laviolette's going to coach. And that's different from Gallant. It's weird to say that Gallant didn't coach. But like <laughs> Gallant was very like hands off. Like, hey, these guys are veterans. Let them do their thing. I don't know. Maybe these guys need a little bit of coaching. <laughs> Is it crazy to say that? That a coach crazy and coach? Concept. It's ridiculous. Let's try it out. <laughs> Let's one, see what happens. One line idea for you. Goodrow, Trotrek, Wheeler. Same line. Make it a gritty line. Make it kind of a stopgap line. You're not going to get a whole lot of flash there. But I just kind of like what it could bring to the table. I like I like the idea of Trocek on the third line anyway. And like... Goodrow as a winger can be really fun sometimes. And, like, Goodrow's interesting because he was a big Gallant guy. I'd be curious to see how he plays under Laviolette. But, like, no, I, I kind of like that line because I want Wheeler on the third line anyway. Well, we've talked a lot about those New York Rangers. I know Nick Palmer is dying to get into some Islanders talk. So we're going to shift our focus out towards the island. They made some key offseason additions, one of which was a subtraction. They traded Josh Bailey to the Chicago Blackhawks for some cash considerations, locked up Pierre Engvall and Ilya Sorokin, as well as Semyon Varlamov. Uh, basically, the Islanders play this very boring brand of hockey. I heard this somewhere. I don't know where it was. I hear this everywhere. It might have been a TikTok. You heard it from Bizanet. It might have been a TikTok, but I heard it's this boring brand it of hockey. Been biz. But, Nick, right. boring can win you a cup. 
boring Kenwin Uacup. But they're boring. not boring. Boring took them to back-to-back conference finals, if go. we're going to call it that. I am I am so I am so tired of everyone calling the Islanders boring. I will say I dare you I dare you to watch those two conference finals runs and tell me those games were boring, dude. I was locked in. It's awesome <laughs> the kind of style that they play. Just because they're not trying to skate around every you have one guy who tries to skate around everyone and his name is Matt Barzell. They're quote unquote boring now because they don't win. <laughs> That's why they're quote unquote boring. They made the playoffs Sorry. last year. That was me. Hey, listen, I like the style of hockey they play. You just called it boring. I, He's but, quoting someone. Um, exactly. He's, he's quoting your boy, Paul Business. As you know, though, I'm a fan of the gritty style of hockey. I will say, in my mind, given how packed the East is as a whole, if they're going to make any legitimate noise, it's going to have to be because of that tandem in net between Varlamov and Sorokin. It was like that last year. I think, offensively speaking, they're going to have to be tough. They're going to be a tough team. If you get a little bit of flash here and there, that just opens the doors for your net miners to really elevate you to that next level. Here's why you should be excited about the Islanders and why they're going to be exciting, Colin Lochran. Matt Barzell and Bo Horvat played together for a total of maybe 11 games Jeez, last season. That little? Maybe, <sighs> may, I think it was somewhere around eight, actually. I, I, I need a fact check on that. But... The the small portion of games that they had together, they were electric. They were awesome. Bo Horvat was tossing out apples to Barzi like it was nothing. And then when you're missing one or you're missing the other, yeah, they do look a little off kilter. But I am a big fan of re-signing Sorokin for eight years. You re-sign Varlamov. You have that goaltending tandem locked down. Best goaltending tandem probably in the league, I would argue. Um, so you're locked down from that end. You mentioned sort of the boring and gritty style of hockey that they play, and they're getting that from their big defensemen. You know, I was a big fan of Romanov last year. I think he really stepped up. And then, especially uh, on the front end of things, you re-signed Pierre Engvall for seven years. Look, seven years is a long time. People were sort of raising an eyebrow at that. Uh, But it was a pretty team-friendly contract, to be honest. I don't think, for the value that it was at, I think seven years for of Engvall is a steal, especially when the Toronto Maple Leafs were not valuing valuing him at all for who he is. Uh, and let's t- let's talk about our boy Hudson Fashing. Hudson Fashing. Let's talk about. I've Hudson been waiting Fashing. all day. Oh, I love Hudson Fashing. This guy exceeded expectations every single time he stepped out on the ice. His forecheck is impeccable. He passes the puck with remarkable consistency and he is just such a danger on a third line you could bump him up to a second line he was even having some time on the first line uh he was starting some games out there with uh Pajot I, I guess I really do like this third line the more man. I look at it Engvall man. JG fashion that's not a bad third line at all that's a fantastic I don't think, third line I the more I look at it I think the people sleep a little bit on the Islanders depth and I'm not even on like I don't know if the Islanders are gonna make the playoffs this year but their their four forward pairs are not not bad, and that's Parisi's not even on this list right now. I got a question for both of you. Okay. Should Zach Parisi come back? Barzell said he wants him back. Is Zach Parisi a guy who has played since 2006? He's a great guy. Great guy. Love talking to him in the locker room. Nicest guy. Does he add an aspect to this? T- he was uh, fifth in scoring for the Islanders last year in terms of points. I, I mean, I, I think it would definitely help. I don't, you can never say no to depth. Michael, I think my question to you would you be to you would be is he the is he a game changer? Like if he doesn't come back, does that screw you guys? Because I don't think that it does. I don't think it does, but I think it hurts the locker room. 
Oh, definitely. Uh, in, in, I think everyone in that locker room loves him. Everyone loves Zach Parise. I mean, just just a great guy. Um, yeah, I think he, 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 just, what, he what actually think, just needs to go to the Rangers and complete the <laughs> New York Metro Trio. <laughs> oh, I think it could be that? a really good rallying cry if he comes back yeah. that, you know, there's been whispers he might retire, things of that sort, that he came back to this team almost kind of specifically in this yeah. case. It's a little bit like how I felt about Bergeron uh, last year with the Bruins. We're a different situation entirely, but it was more of that idea of one last run. And you never know what that can kind of motivate. And for a team like the Islanders, where it's very much going to be a game-by-game basis, what can we do today that's going to help us win this specific hockey game? Having someone like Parisi just around the unit as a whole could do wonders. I think you're right on the money there. I have them making the dance. So I have a board at home with some of my playoff picks. I have the Rangers in, barely. I also have the Islanders in. So then you don't have Buffalo. I don't. See, that's that's tough for me to... I love Buffalo this year. I know. And it's like, I feel like, uh, this feels like a conversation for another week, but I, I'm going to get, I'm going to get suckered by Buffalo. Like I'm, you always get suckered by Buffalo. Don't I? Dude, you love your I, Buffalo I Sabres. I love my little Buffalo Sabres. On, um, guy. Talking about the Islanders, I, I do want to have one, one, one more point on the Islanders. <laughs> and it. I do want to talk about Josh Bailey. Um, the guy hangs up his skates for the Isles after, so he gets traded to the Blackhawks. Blackhawks don't want him. He appears at the Ottawa Senators training camp hmm. this uh, this fall. He hasn't been signed, so it's looking like it might be over for Josh Bailey. Hmm. But just reflecting on his time, this guy was an Islander for a long time. He was an Islander since I was five years old. Wow. He's had some big games. Sure. He's also had some not very big games. Where does ooh-ah Josh Bailey land in the hearts of Isles fans and in the hearts of just hockey fans in general, favorably or unfavorably? It's going to be unfavorably for a little bit, and I think as time mm-hmm. as time passes, I wonder where Islander fans, you, I think you would have more of a window into it than I would. Maybe have to call up my cousin in Long Island and see what he says. Like, I think, right, because in the, in the moment they were like, okay, good, we got rid of Josh Bailey, and it's tough to, it's tough to disassociate with the present to completely jump to baseball, like Aaron and Aaron Hicks is not Josh Bailey for for the Yankees, but Aaron Hicks was a seven seven year Yankee that yeah. had some really good moments, had some really good playoff moments. But the last three to four years, he sucked in injuries and what he was a really bad baseball player. And like Yankee fans still trash talk Aaron Hicks and like there's no love for him. I don't think that's going to be the case with the Islanders fans. I think Islanders fans love their guys. I think I would say by the time the season starts, I think they'll they will look back and be like, man, Josh Bailey gave us some really really fun times. I think it's going to take the rest of the league fan bases a little bit longer to warm up to the idea that Bailey was good. And that song stays in the hearts. Ooh, uh. Stays in the hearts. I think it's interesting for Bailey, too, because he landed in a very odd time in the Islanders' history mm-hmm. as a unit because the Islanders have had so much success. You think about those cups they won way back in the day now, Nick, and those guys are obviously fondly remembered, but for someone like Bailey... It's a little bit harder for fans to really get behind talks of legacy and things of that sort. Oh, yeah. Not that it's the same thing. It shows sh- show shades of Ryan Callahan oh, over in the Rangers side of things. One. Because I remember when he left, Callahan. there was the sense of, oh, well, you know, he's gone. They didn't win a cup with Callahan, obviously. But right. there was still that idea of you had some good times yeah. with him there. So I think that's ultimately how Bailey will be remembered by Islanders fans, although I'm not one myself. You'd be uh, much better to to let us know how that legacy fares. I, I've got a question for you: Is Bo Horvat going to score some goals this year? <laughs> yeah, what are he's we? With what are we doing? 
He's with Matt Barzell. Wait, that's like I'm, I like you're saying that. Like I buy into that. Like him, play, yeah. him. If he gets if he gets a full season with Barzell, like oh my god, Bo Horvat might not be like bad, dude. Fa- <laughs> fan- fantasy hockey managers, when this season starts, and you you're into that like sixth or seventh round, and Bo Horvat has not been selected, you better pick him up because he is going to surprise all of you. I shouldn't have said that. Because I was gonna do that, and now you're gonna do that. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see. What I don't happens. know. I haven't. I've never played fantasy hockey. We'll have to figure it out. We're doing it. I know. I know. As far as the locals are concerned, one last group we do have to touch on. We talked about the Islanders, so I have to talk about the Devils. They made some additions this offseason. They extended Timo Meyer, traded for Tyler Toffoli. He was very good last year. Seventy-three points with Calgary. I really like Love what he it. brings to the table. But for me, the Devils' issue is pretty similar to what it was last year, and it's the goaltending. I just don't know how far you're going to go with Vita Vanacek and Akira Schmid as your tandem, which is a real shame for Devils fans because they've got some guys that can flat-out play. Jack Hughes has proven he's a superstar in the NHL. Timo Meyer, great player. Nico Heischer, same type of deal. I just wonder if they're going to have the firepower to make up for poor goaltending. Yeah, well, they let go of Igor Sharangovich, so congratulations. You've clinched last place in the Metro. Oh, <laughs> screw yourself. No, uh, no listen, uh, I don't know. Like, the Devils are really good. Like, the Devils did everything that I asked them to minus get a goalie. <laughs> like, they brought back they brought Brat Brat, they brought back Meyer, and then I didn't even They went and they traded for Tyler Toffoli. It's unfair. The Metro sucks. Um, it's so good. I don't... Uh, I don't know. Like... It's really going to be one of those things. I don't. I don't even know if I can like predict what's going to happen with the goaltending because I really didn't think that Vanacek was an issue last season. And then Akira Shamid for against the Rangers at least was really really good. And then you know Carolina happens and whatever. I it's it's the clear issue. I think also partially because the rest of the team is so good. In fact, like the rest of the team is ready to go in a cup run. But I'm kind of I don't know. I'm kind of glad they didn't like go all out and get like Connor Hellebuck. Like I'm glad that they or they I'm glad that they didn't trade a bunch of value for a goaltender right now. I'm not sure that was the right move either. I know I think they're kind of in a tough spot where it's like, yeah, you're kind of locked into Vanishek and Schmid right now, and I guess see what happens. I, it's not going to be an issue in the regular season. It's playoffs, right? It's not that I think Vanishek is an atrocious goaltender, right? But he's not Sorokin or Shostakovich. And for the team that they have out there, it almost feels like they could do better in that position if that makes sense okay. not that yeah, I w- it, it just was like look, look at like some of the stanley cup teams like like and some of the runs and like see like goalies step up out of nowhere you find guys that are just gonna step yep. like yep. you can plan to have a really good goalie and then jake ottinger has a really bad playoff series and all of a sudden dallas is gone and your third stringer steps up and boom you have a stanley cup like i don't know hockey's weird this this goes into the just greater point of, of volatility in mid to upper range goaltending, uh, unless if you have a top, I would say three to five or w- one to, if you don't have a top if, four if, goaltender in the league, if you don't have you, like Vassy, Sorokin, Shesterkin, Jose Soros, are we going that? Are we going there? I, I would go you, there. Personally. Soros is in there, but just and he's barely. even like borderline, right? Borderline. Here's the thing with maybe Vanacek. Hell, maybe Hellebuck at five, but even, I don't know. Right, with, with with Vanacek, I mean, in the season, he ended with a 2.45 goals against average and a 9-11 save, which is, which is pretty solid. But then he went into March 
and had an 898 with a ridiculous 4.64 goals against. Absolutely just was ruined in the playoffs. And then you get into Schmidt, who picked up. You don't know how he's going to do in a regular season. So these two I'm, goals... I'm actually expecting a little bit of a Schmidt regression myself. That's, that, that's exactly what but I was But I don't say. think that it's a huge issue if Vanacek just continues to do what he did like last year, even if he doesn't necessarily right. take a huge step. And then you see what happens in play... Like, Aiden, Aiden Hill, right? That's kind of what we were referencing with like the someone steps up. I know it's tough, but it's like... It's just... It goes to show... I don't know that you can necessarily plan... You know, goaltending. If you don't have a top four guy, right. so it like it kind of is a crapshoot. You can have a top ten guy, and then they bottom out in the playoffs. Exactly. So it's like, yes, goaltending is the biggest issue on this Devils team, but I don't think that that should overshadow just how stacked this team is. This team is, it's the best of the three metro teams, or of the three like New York City metro area teams. And I don't think it's particularly close. I think they're the most talented team. I'm concerned with Vanacek's goals against average in the playoffs. For his career, it sits at 4.52. Yeah. That's not really no, that's a, that's a valid concern. I'm looking for out of the Devils. But with where the game is going, quicker, a little bit more nimble, it's fully possible that the Devils are able to rise above some mediocre goaltending in the playoffs, especially if Schmied and Vanacek are what they were during the regular season last year. More so Vanacek, right. obviously. Smeed, different situation when the playoffs came against the Rangers. Got to play then. Is, is uh, there any world where they go and they trade for a goalie mid-season? I, I like, can see that happening. If Winnipeg bottoms out, are they trading for Connor Hellebuck at like like seven or whatever, 50% retained salary? Like, yeah, I, Is that an option that we're considering for them? I don't hate that. And I, I, hate, yeah. to, I hate to make another the baseball reference on five <laughs> oh, on three. Go for it, dude. But I – think of the New Jersey Devils in the way that they sign and retain young players as the Atlanta Braves of the NHL. Mm, that's a good pull. Just in the way that they get these young guys, they put them on long-term contracts that aren't ridiculously expensive. I mean, you guys, you got guys like, you know, Nikki Hishi or Jesper Bratt, Jack Hughes. I mean, the list goes on and on of talent. Top six is crazy. Top six is crazy. The one era where, the one area where I am a little concerned is the pieces that they shedded on defense in the offseason. I'm a big Ryan Graves supporter. I think that he got a bad run of it last year, and I think he has much more upside than they give him credit for. And also Damon Severson. He played I, a big role for them too last year. Right. Um, and Severson, of course, as well. I mean, they're – they're you get a full year of Luke Hughes. You get a full – this is what I'm saying, though. You need you need some veteran leadership, and it can't mm. just be Timo Meyer who's, right. who's going to be doing that. So – that's the one area where I'm a little shoddy, but man, this offense is the best in the league, and it's just terrifying to go up against. Hockey is back so in bad. New York, New Jersey area. Rangers, Devils, Islanders all looking to achieve some big things this upcoming season. Regular season officially starts on Tuesday, October 10th. Five hey. on three. Once again, back here, along with Lou Orlando and Nick Palmer. I'm Colin Lochran saying so long. Five on three is a production of WFUV Sports.